You are listening to the You Are Techie podcast, episode number 82. Welcome to the You Are Techie podcast, where it's all about growing in your techiness so you can find the tech job of your dreams. And now your host, technology learning coach, Ellen Toomey. Hey moms, are you trying to break into tech? Are you wondering what skills you really need to get hired and how those skills can be worth $45 an hour? Not that $25 an hour you thought when you first started thinking about going back to work. If so, then the UR Techie membership is for you. Our combination of courses, coaching, and community come with the mentor support you need to keep moving forward into your tech career. It's like no other membership available. We have the exact skills employers are looking for. You'll learn how to maximize your income with portfolio-ready skills that hiring managers are seeking, not to mention the steps you can skip so you don't find yourself down that endless tech learning rabbit hole. Join me as we walk you step-by-step through the getting hired process in tech. Sign up at youartechie.com. That's Y-O-U-A-R-E-T-E-C-H-Y.com. I can't wait to see you in our membership. Today on the podcast, we're talking about freelance. I want to make a distinction here because you'll often hear me talk about free, free in quotes, Lance, meaning that you do work in exchange for use of those assets in your portfolio and not for money, free in quotes, Lance. And I do advocate that, but only for a limited time as you build your work samples and then once you have experience, you need to be getting paid for your work, okay? Today, we're talking about just normal freelance, like getting hired as a freelancer. You can have an LLC or you could be a sole proprietor, but you have your own freelance work. Now, some people will do this as an on-ramp to getting hired full-time, and that's great. That's a good way to do it. So once you kind of get your free and quotes lance project, maybe you get another project and you get paid for it and you like doing it and you want to use more work samples in your portfolio before you get hired. But I'm really going to focus on freelance as a career. It can be a career choice. Many people make it. A lot of people love it because it allows them the ability to work on different projects, do what they love, and work wherever they want. Because as a freelancer, you're normally you can work remotely at least part of the time or all of the time because you have different clients and they don't necessarily expect you to be in the office all the time. I just want to make that distinction. Putting freelance on your LinkedIn profile is one thing, right? That's that's one thing. And you can do that after really whenever you solidify one client. What I'm going to be talking about here is bringing in consistent income as a freelancer for your career. So I really want to shape it in that way. It's a very narrow focus. So we don't get distracted from Well, it could be this scenario, it could be that scenario. Yeah, it could be all those things. But I am talking about bringing in consistent income as a freelancer for your career, whether you want to do that for a portion of it or all of it, but for some amount of time, let's say, you know, a good chunk, five to 10 years. Okay. First, the difference between getting hired by a company and getting hired by a client for a freelance project When you're just getting started, a full-time hire, that's typically going to be a longer interview process because, of course, the relationship is longer. 
So one benefit that you might have to freelance is that you can get hired pretty quickly after one or two phone calls. There's a lower barrier to entry with freelance because there's just less at stake. If it doesn't work out, the relationship ends, maybe someone's out a few dollars or, or maybe they're not out a few dollars, but you know, it just, it just didn't work out. It's a, Hey, I kind of like you. Let's give it a try situation. And if it does work out, then that's great for both parties, right? The freelancer has this repeatable client and the client, here's what I want you guys to really understand. The client has someone they can go back to easily for more freelance work and it can be a longer term relationship. And so you can have a steady stream of income from that client and that client wants that because they don't have the burden of a full-time employee, but they still have someone they can contact when they have work available. So just keep that in mind, okay? They're not necessarily doing you a favor is my point on that one. What I see for my students, they tend to, this might surprise you, but this is, this is what happens. They tend to be able to solidify freelance work, both paid and unpaid, relatively quickly. And I, I'm going to say easily, maybe they, maybe they don't think it's so easy, but it usually is not the big hurdle that they think it's going to be when I assign that homework. They're, they think it might be really tricky and they're surprised how quickly that can happen. Here's what I don't want some of you to get distracted by. It is one thing to find a client here or there. It is a different thing to have a steady stream of work. And that's why I defined freelancer the way that I did as a steady stream of income, because it is a little bit harder to have that. In other words, if you got one freelance client, that's not necessarily going to be able to be a repeatable process. I certainly want you to test that out, but it's that steady stream of work that we're going to be addressing. And I also want to point out that over the long term, it is very likely that you will do both get hired full-time and freelance work. So you might do freelance work first and then get hired. I think that's what a lot of my students think, that it's like this on-ramp. Some people do freelance as a career. Many, many people take full-time jobs and then do freelance work on the side. So I do think that freelance, regardless of what you're thinking today, this podcast can help you just to open your mind and to understand what freelance is, what it isn't, what... Um, what are the benefits? And then what are some of the things that you're going to want to consider? As a freelancer, there are action steps you're going to want to take. And you, you're going to have all your skills. You're going to build your portfolio in your skills, in your chosen field. Yes. And these are additional action steps that you, you need to basically be prepared to take or be taking now or be willing to take as a freelancer. That's, that's what I'm going to talk about because a lot of people might be thinking, well, I don't even know how to get started in freelance. And I'm going to tell you very clearly, these are the action steps. And if you take these, this is, this is what leads to freelance work. I did return to the workforce in freelance work and I took longer term relationships so I only had one or two freelance projects ever going on at the same time, and that worked for me. You can figure out what works best for you. You could also find nearly identical projects and do that again and again and again for more clients. That's going to give you less variability in your work, but for some of you right now, that's okay. You just want to do the process over and over and over again, and you're happy to do that. 
you can also more easily identify clients. So really there are those kind of two options, the longer term relationships or more clients, but similar work. So you really have these two options. You can get really embedded with a few select clients and do your job and do it really in depth and and do a couple of maybe a different iterations of it. Or you can do the same process over and over again, the QA process, the development process, the UX process, whatever it is. But if you are doing that same process over and over again, I do recommend that you have strong ties to people who are have adjacent skills so that you can tap them. Because if your clients, let's say that you're a web designer and maybe you need to, your clients frequently ask for a graphic designer, you should have a graphic designer that you can go to and, and recommend or a digital marketer. If they're, if you do websites and, and you, they want to sell things, you might want to recommend a digital marketer. So whatever happens to be your area of expertise, I mean, developer with UX, you definitely want to hang out with some developers, developers are going to want UX people. That's going to help you with your clients so that you're not just these one-offs. This is all I do. I don't ever do anything else. If they know they can come to you and you just recommend someone, that can be a great relationship. Then, of course, that person could recommend you. I do recommend having that kind of um, close network if you do this, the second option, which is just your process over and over again. If you're just trying to find a few in-depth relationships, you're not going to need to do as much networking. I will say that, um, but I like to call it community building. You have to do some, but you will, more importantly, you just need to do it regularly. You're going to want to know for either one of those you are. So for the second one, you'll need to do it more, but you need to be networking and building your community more. If you've been interviewing and trying to get hired full time, but finding that you're really building your community, you keep getting freelance work and that's working for you. That's a great way. As long as you understand that that's going to happen for quite a while, you're going to need to be doing that. And I'll talk to you about how long. So the way to do that is you really want to know what groups your clients are a part of. You want to know where they hang out and you want to know who your clients are. Who do you want to target the most? That doesn't mean you never take a client who's outside of that target, but it will really help you to know who you're looking for as a client, who'd be your ideal client, knowing what industry they're in, maybe what size of organization that can really help you. Um, And also the contact person at that organization who would hire you. That would also be really helpful. So for me, when I was a UX designer, that was usually the product manager. So I I networked with a lot of product managers. And then you're going to want to create a system around how you bring more people into your sphere who know what you do and maybe even what you charge, although that can change. But what I mean by that is get really specific with those people in your sphere about what it is that you do and how someone could, could potentially hire you so they'll know um, who you're looking for and who to introduce you to. I don't want to beat around the bush here. I don't really care how you, how you want to phrase it, how you want to do it. Freelance work means that you are selling. Okay. You're a salesperson for a part of your job. You are selling your time and your skills. And I say it like that because I I just to be honest. I don't think I really understood that when I started freelance work, it just kind of, I fell into the work. So when it came to repeating that process, I didn't really understand how to create a repeatable process around it until I really understood that I was selling something. Now, I love, I love it when I say like, create this repeatable process. Like it's this big thing. No, in fact, 
the more complex it is, the worse you will be at it. It really needs to be very simple. And I'm going to tell you what it will look like. And it's not going to look that different from person to person. How you execute it will be based on your personality, but it really is pretty simple. Let me just walk you through it. it again, I think that when, and I'll, I'll even talk to you about how to sell your work in a way that is kind of fun, actually. It doesn't have to feel, it certainly should not feel salesy and slimy. I don't think anyone listening is going to fit that bill and do that really. Like it's just not going to work. You don't have to be like that. You're, it's going to be more of an exchange of ideas because remember you're helping them. They, your clients have a need for work. So keep that in mind. Okay. Outside of attending events where your potential future clients are, you're also going to want to do regular outreach to both new and existing relationships. So you have to be meeting new people and staying in touch with other people. You can do that outreach through social media. LinkedIn, of course, is like a big one or email. When you, If you can get their email, I always think that's a better way. I have so much spam in my LinkedIn ugh, that um, I don't always communicate well with, with through that. I know that wasn't a problem for me when I was doing freelance, but I think that it's getting worse and worse. So I think getting to the email exchange, if someone isn't willing to give you their email, you probably don't have that great of a relationship with them. And then outside of email, really a one-on-one coffee or Zoom meeting, I think is very important for some of those longer term relationships. Just people who know what you do and are happy to recommend you, whether or not they're the clients or not. Those are the types of one-on-ones that you want to have. And, and those are something that you're going to want to have as a part of your system. So let's, let me go over that system again. Okay. It's not complicated. This is literally the entire system. Number one is have social outreach that leads to email. So your new and existing people over social slash email, and it should be one and then the other. That's, that's step one, A and B. Step two, go to meetups and events, at least monthly. If you're an extrovert like me, twice a month is not a problem. <laughs> if, you're, if you're an introvert and you just really want to get going, you could do that too. Um, but a couple a month, I think, makes sense. Go to one a week if you want, but at least monthly. And then step number three are regular coffees and meetings. Uh, could be Zoom meeting, could be meet in person. And those, that's your step, those are your three steps. That's your entire sales system. Now, I'm going to talk about a couple more things, and I'm going to talk about how to sell your time and your money. If you're thinking, okay, can I just get on one of those platforms like Fiverr or Upwork? And some of the other ones are escaping me right now, but they are. Um, there are some really great platforms out there. Here's the thing. I don't think those are very effective for beginners, Okay, because you're competing with people who are putting a lot of time and effort into that platform. And so your newness means you're likely going to have to charge less until you become established on that platform. I know that's not 100% true. So if you're having success with it, go with it. But it is generally true. And I'm also not saying that platforms won't be worth it. I'm saying that that likely won't be enough for your sales system when you're first starting out. It's much better to go with social email re- outreach, meetups and events, coffees one-on-one. That is your system. 
it's fine to try out these platforms. And then once you have success on one, I would advocate putting more of your time and energy into that. I just don't want you using that platform as your sales system. It's more of like an add-on, an accoutrement. My family will make fun of me. I love French. But an accoutrement to your, to your sales system. If you get really great on one platform, maybe it can turn into your sales system. But at the beginning, I find, and I think you will find that it can be frustrating when you're competing with people who have all this work and all this stuff, and then they can charge so much less. So be careful to find a platform that fits for you too. Another accoutrement, it's my French day, is one more way to create a simple sales system as a freelancer is to join with other freelancers. Some people call this a collective when it's really kind of fancy and they all put a website together. Could just be a community of people who refer people to each other. Some of these groups cost money to join or they require some type of large upfront investment of your time or your money. So could say they could say, well, you have to have this, this many clients, charge this rate, have this many things in your portfolio. Keep those on your radar. Even though they're not going to be great for you today as you're, as you're new or beginning, target one that you really like and build up to it because that could be an amazing place for your sales system to go. Try not to get too frustrated if you're quote unquote, not there yet. I do think that is something to work towards. It's never going to completely replace building your community and having people in your network, but it could replace a lot of those activities of having to go to meetups or having to meet with coffee if you don't really want to. It can replace portions of that and be a better referral system for you. So I like I like for you to have that in your mindset of like, who do I want to hang out with? Who do I want to be a part of? It's probably worth working even a couple of years towards that. When you're new, that's harder to find, but I think it can be worth it. Even if you have to pay money, just of course, investigate it first. A lot of times when people want you to pay money, it's just so they know that you're serious and that you're earning income and things like that. Be sure to discriminate for those types of things, but it can be really effective. When it comes to the actions that you need to take to be a freelancer, remember that you will be spending some of your time towards outreach on social and email, keeping in touch, not not just outreach, but keeping in touch, going to meetups uh, or events at least monthly, and then having one-on-one coffees. The other piece is that you're going to have to get really, really clear on exactly what you do and how you do it. And explaining that to people will likely be your biggest challenge. So you have to put time and effort towards that. If you do, that is time well spent because it's an action that's getting you the result of an effective sales system, of a consistent stream of work. So it's worth the time. It may not feel like the work. It may not feel like, well, I'm not coding. Well, I'm not doing prototypes. Well, I'm not writing test use cases. You know, it's not going to feel like that type of work, but it is work that you'll need to do if you decide freelance is for you. I want to talk about the downsides of being a freelancer, or it could just be challenges. And if you find these to not be challenges, then that's great. But some people will say the downside of being a freelancer is that they have to sell. 
But I want you to keep in mind that that means you get to talk about what you do and how you can solve your clients or potential clients problems. There should be an element of that that's appealing to you. If not, then it, freelance may not be right for you. Now, if it's not appealing to you, but you're willing to do it because you want to be a freelancer so much, great. If neither of those are true, I think that getting hired does make more sense for you. I don't think that freelance is for you if you, if you think, eh, I'm actually not going to do it. You have to really put it on your calendar and actually show up for that. As a freelancer, you'll get to charge more than a full-time hire. And if you're saying, how on earth is that a downside? Let me tell you, it's because you're making up for things that your employer would take care of, like benefits such as health care or retirement. You're also covering the cost of the time to network, to build community that, that we talked about, your sales system. You have to, that is time that you are not earning uh, revenue or income. That's called business development, basically. So you have to account for your benefits, you have to account for your business development, and you have to account for your vacation. So that could be a downside or an upside, but you do really need to charge more per hour as a freelancer than you would as a full-time hire. And I'm going to go into, if you're like, how much more? I will go into the specifics of that in just a minute. I do want to say that your business development activities, your repeatable sales system, it should lighten up after could be one, two, three years. It's probably going to be a lot of what you do your first year, your second year. But once you have that community around you, and maybe you just want to keep doing the system because it's fun and, and it's a good idea to community build, you will see if you're being successful and it's working well, you will see warm referrals come to you because you just know who to talk to and where to go for that type of work. You might also just say, well, I'm willing to do it for a couple of years and, and then I don't want to do so much selling. That normally is what happens if, you, if you've kind of built up your sphere of people who know what you do. What to charge? Talking about money. Should I, should I have just started with this? Did you guys want to just skip right to this? So here's what to charge. So the way to account for your breaks in income, vacation, benefits, and your business development. See, that's a lot is that you're going to add 22% to your hourly rate. Now, if you are freelancing, if you've done this and, and what I, the calculations I go through and your number is higher than mine, as per the use, use your number. <laughs> it's, it's the greater than. So I'm going to put you in a place, I'm actually going to just put you in a place where you can feel really confident that you're not overcharging. But remember, I want you to, of course, earn as much money as you can. That's important that you are highly valued for your skills. So let me give you the calculation. If you have been interviewing or you've spent any time on Glassdoor, you should have a sense of what your annual salary would be for the position that you want to be hired. And, and I, I like using your local area. I will be honest. I tried to find clients in more expensive regions. I strategically did that. I, I still love that I did that. That was smart. So do that. Steal that. But still, for this calculation, go to Glassdoor, look up the job that you want, look up the job that you're starting, and 
find the average annual salary. And it is okay to use average or beginning or whatever it is. I'm going to use $60,000. We're going to use that because that's actually a little low maybe for an average UX designer, but it would be a great salary for a starting UX designer. 60K, I think that's pretty common. I think it's also just a great benchmark to go in at 60K. So the way that we do this is that we take that 60K, we divide it by 2,000. You can divide it by 2,080 if you want, because that's that's how many the standard work week, how many hours in a year of work. So that's how you get the hourly. I just do divide it by 2,000 because it's quicker. And you will get, for 60K, you'll get $30 an hour. Okay. Then you multiply that by 1.22. That's how you take that rate and increase it by 22%. And you will get $36.60. So let's say $37. And if you don't like that, if you like the rounder numbers, then you could choose $35 or $40. Whatever feels really good to you somewhere in there. I know those numbers might seem really different. Well, is it 35 or is it 40? Don't overthink it. Just go with what feels right to you. And I'm assuming you're just starting out. So there is a reason where you might say yes to $25 an hour, even if your skills are at 35. You might say yes to that project just to get a couple more projects on your portfolio. I think that's fine. Just don't do that forever. Decide ahead of time, I will do this for one project. I will do this for three projects. Guess what? Don't go more than three. And then start charging. Add $5 after that. So 25 is really you're not in range yet. Get up to 30, 35 an hour. Okay, now now you're in a better place. Now I would say add $5 for every year of experience. Every year of experience. And this is where I say, if you're already above that, I've got some students who are above that, do not take this newer number, take your higher number. But you can feel really confident that most technical jobs, say it's QA, digital marketing, UX, developer, you are going to command $45 to $50 an hour with just a few years of experience. And some of you have leveraged previous experience, so you can start there. It's fine to start there. But if you're not starting there, I want you to get there pretty quickly because that is what the industry pays, and that is what you will need to make to account for all of these other uh, elements that I described, the vacation, non-consistent income, benefits, and business development. So really, you're going to want to be charging that amount. But you can see where I came up with it logically from an annual salary and then 22% increase. Some people will say 22% is not the right number. It's way too low. I get it. it I can, there's, a re, there's a justification there. But this is a great place for you to start to feel really good about what you're charging. Once you're charging that rate, it's just going to become a number and you're going to understand, okay, I'm ready to charge more. I think I can deliver more value. Once you can deliver more value, and that's why I say about a year, about $5 per year, but let's say you let's say you get a new certification and you're adding a lot more value, then instead of using the year benchmark, use the value marker there. So I hope that helps you with the money. I finally, I want to just encourage you with, a, with freelance Listen, folks, it can be kind of lonely to figure all this out on your own and to not have the support. If you don't know, encourage people to 
have a community of support. (laughs) And I have a free group of that and a paid one. And so I encourage you to join that. And I'm going to give you a question to answer in our free Facebook group. But I also want to encourage you to get a mentor or a few. I think three to four mentors. You don't have to like get down on one knee and be like, will you please be my mentor? You can just find a few people who have done what you have are wanting to do, who are working in freelance and let them know, hey, I'm joining this world and I see you've been really successful. I would love to be able to ask questions to you. Those people are going to want to help you. I can't tell you how many times my students find amazing people out there who are so great and so supportive of moms and women joining technology. And they are they are women, they are men, they are everybody. So it is just so awesome to see that. And not only that, get mentors because it's lonely and it's helpful and it'll really impact your career. Not only that, those people who have been doing what you want to do, let's say they've been a freelancer for five or 10 years, they know what work they like and they might be willing to give you work that doesn't fit in their schedule, that there's overrun, that's not their favorite. They might be a great referral source for you. I would prioritize that very high because it will help you. And you might feel like, yeah, but I'm just talking to these people and they're helping me. And you might feel guilty, like that isn't how you should be spending your time. And I am telling you, most definitely, that is how you should be spending your time. Okay, so definitely go out and find those mentors, and I I would recommend three to four. Okay, here's how I'd like to wrap up. I want to know if freelance is right for you. After hearing this, after thinking about it, do you think that you're going to go the freelance route? And I'd like to know why or why not. It's both are right. There's no wrong answers here, but I'm very curious. If this information is helpful to you, I'll bring you more of this. And if you're like, no, I'm totally not into it. I want to get hired. Then we'll do, we'll do more stuff like that. In our free Facebook group, if you're not a member of our free Facebook group, why are you not a member? Do you know how cool the people in that group are? So it's facebook.com slash groups slash you are techie, Y-O-U-A-R-E-T-E-C-H-Y. And the, and the title of the group is you are techie dash moms in tech. We have women new to tech, women experienced in tech, people who want to hire people. So just join that group. I'm constantly delivering free content there. You get the podcast there. First thing, you guys are the first people to get it. And we're always looking to support you in a way that helps you understand how you can find tech jobs, how tech is the right fit for you, and how you deserve to make money in a flexible job that you care about that's meaningful and that supports your family. So love for you to go to that group. Let me know is freelance right for you. You are techie.com. Join the group. If you're not a part of it, if you're a part of it, let me know is freelance right for you. Why or why not? I will see you in the, you are techie Facebook group. See you next time. Hey, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you have to sign up for the, you are techie email list. Imagine being in the tech job of your dreams. Join me to get the strategies, training, and never-ending support to get hired. Sign up at youartechie.com. That's Y-O-U-A-R-E-T-E-C-H-Y.com. I'll see you next time.